And now we turn to Roya Buruman, who uh, will be talking about her organization, I assume her foundation, right? Yes. The work of your foundation. Perfect. Thank you very much. And thank you to the organizer of this event for um, having me and for um, uh, forcing me to look back at 10 years of work and um, see what we have done really, um, which we usually do little by little, but never in a comprehensive way to look back at what actually we have collected. Um, our, this website is the product of our work. So our work, um, the product of our work is a virtual work. And um, the issue of the panel, uh, I will try to address it by explaining why we are doing what we are doing. And uh, maybe there will be some responses in, um, in uh, the presentation. Uh, we don't have the issue of um, the fatigue or the ethical issues as they occur in um, post-transition or transitional time because we have no transition really. And so what we do is based on people volunteering to come to us. And uh, so, so far our, exper our experience has been pretty good. Um, often uh, people ask me if um, this website, where we have found our software, um, where we have bought our software. Well, you know, we haven't really bought anything. Um, this uh, website is the result of uh, the need we have felt as political activists many, many, many years ago as students, historians, and human rights activists um, over the decades, and um, as victims. Um, so, <coughs> I hope that you can bear with me. Um, I am not used to PowerPoint. I refuse some aspects of technology <laughs> to my detriment. Um, so you imagine what the database meant for us when we started, um, considering our um, technological uh, know-how. <laughs> um, so. Uh, one of the reasons um, we are doing this, this work is that we felt uh, 30 years ago that um, the revolutionary Iran had missed many opportunities and that we had basically missed our transition. Uh, revolutionary justice, revolutionary tribu tribunals lacked fairness and independence and did not really gain the citizens' trust and um, esta to establish a new pattern of behavior. Prosecutions uh, violated due process of law, including the right to defense, instead of reaffirming the relevance of the norms that alleged perpetrators violated. Um, there were also missed opportunity in truth-telling. Um, the reality was that we had some shows on television of trials, a few, uh, where um, some of the high-ranking members of uh, the former regime were tried or interrogated. The trials were like interrogations. Um, but truth-telling was not really seen as a necessity in the transition era, but more as a political tool responding to the needs of the day. Um, perpetrators and alleged perpetrators stood trials as guilty, and that's how they were caught. Um, oftentimes, um, the, some of the leaders of uh, revolutionary leaders would say, um, "There is no need for trials and lawyers. These are guilty people." And 
what, what was interesting, however, is why they were on trial. This was uh, a little bit um, of their um, contradiction, or definitely that they felt that you know no procedure at all does not really make sense. Um, and um, there was a lack of political experience in Iran that led to a lot of mistakes. Um, as probably in many other revolutionary transitions, various actors made serious political mistakes, allowing the consolidation into power of Ayatollah Khomeini and the ensuing violence. But the most tragic mistake actually was uh, made by a majority of Iranians who voted in a referendum um, shortly after the revolution for an Islamic Republic without having been presented with any laws, any constitution, or even any definition of what that meant. I mean, uh, my mother voted for the Islamic Republic. I was in front of the uh, Iranian embassy in Paris because I was a student asking people what they are voting for. And to be honest with you, there were a lot of educated people and pe students who were walking in, and no one could really tell me what they are voting in, and yet they voted. And so, um, and so uh, this was really a shock to some of us. My father was a lawyer, and we were surrounded by lawyers, and I know that lawyers are not all that popular uh, maybe around here but um, but for us it was important due process was what we complained about and uh, and uh, due process was what we didn't see um, and so uh, we also noticed over the years as uh, repression increased in Iran that um, a lot of victims really didn't care for human rights. Um, a lot of uh, revolutionary groups that were very badly targeted and some of them were completely wiped out. Um, so human rights as a Western political tool, as did also their, the people who targeted them. And the members of the previous regime who, who were um, um, victims of uh, violations also were suspicious because they saw in human rights language, you know, the beginning of their own uh, demise. And so we tried um, at the time to, um, to do something like that, more polit political and uh, less um, perhaps sophisticated, but um, no one was interested. Uh, even in our own group, people didn't see the priority. And so we realized at the time that we really have a problem and that our problem is cultural and we can blame it on the US and we can blame it on the British and on the Arabs for some people who blame the Arabs for having brought the religion to Iran. I mean, we have all sorts of blaming going around. But um, we, you know, we have an issue that uh, no one can resolve but us. Um, and so to this, you know, so we went along for our studies and to this we had a personal experience which was the assassination of my father in April of 1991 in France. And um, he was part of, you know, scores of others who were assassinated around the globe in Europe and elsewhere um, for political reasons. And uh, there was very little um, effort um, to hold anyone accountable, even to investigate, which, you know, we theoretically knew that victims need this and victim needs that. But when it happens to you, um, you know, it really has a different scope um, than the theories. Theories are good. You can be a good person, ethical person, but 
it, it's a different thing to be on the other side. Um, and so, you know, over the decades, um, as we studied history and we watched the news, we realized that um, the dominant narrative is that of the, you know, the ruling elite in Iran, and uh, whether it's about the pre-revolutionary era or post-revolutionary era, era um, this is what a lot of Iranians believe, and a lot of Iranians were born after the revolution or were very young to remember. It's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Five minutes? So because, okay. Um, so, so these were the, the. This is part of the background, uh, the, the background to this work. But what also um, uh, decided us to do this is that we actually saw opportunities, opportunities more recently with a new generation of Iranians that were less ideologized and more interested in figuring out how to improve their own lives. Um, there was a large number, unfortunately, of Iranians living in exile who were accessible. And um, there was a relatively, uh, you know, a relative opening of the political system, which was actually allowed some exchange of ideas and some dialogue between the inside and outside. And also horizontally inside the country, which didn't exist before. Um, newspapers played an incredible role at the time. Um, so, uh, so our, our question was, what can we do to avoid 1979? What can we do to prevent the truth and victims uh, to be sacrificed for political expediency if and when there is a transition? And so we knew about the need to education, raising awareness, bringing shame on human rights violators, um, all of this. but. Um, we had first to see what the problem is. We, we know generally thousands of people have been executed, but that is not enough. We needed the details. We needed to know exactly what we're looking at. And so this mem the memorial that um, you saw here, if I can find it, yes, was the response. <coughs> we, uh, we decided to actually document all the executions um, one by one. And, uh, <coughs> but provide a page for each victim, uh, not forget anyone. And we also included um, ordinary criminals who were executed because we thought that um, uh, in a system that violates human rights, everyone is affected. Everyone is affected and ordinary people are more vulnerable because they are actually not linked to any group that could publicize their cases or work for the release or defend them. And so this is everyone. And um, this is really very short. Um, so that was one, one, one way that we dealt with this. And then we also created a search engine so that people understand um, how people have been killed and the gender by religion. And you will see that all sorts of people have been killed. And the majority of the victims are Muslims, actually Shia Muslims. Um, so this is not really about, um, you know, the West, uh, the, the West against um, the Muslim world. I don't understand the concept of the Muslim world. Um, it's like you say, the Christian world or the Jewish world. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. And so all sorts of nationalities, obviously, all sorts of countries. And um, we have now uh, 14,000 
I mean, 15,000 cases here on the web, but we have 19,000 cases in, um, uh, in the database. And um, I thought Patrick Ball would be here um, to talk about the database, but he's not. So um, we decided to organize these um, because um, we had no idea how many documents we were going to have. And so we decided to organize these in a more reasonable way and um, do, um, you know, codify and um, have details about the sources, the nature, nature of the sources, the date of acquisition, the victims, the witnesses, the perpetrators, although the perpetrators, we don't really make them public because um, uh, this is not our priority. Our priority uh, is uh, about getting the studies <coughs> and giving some relief to those who have been forgotten. And um, if we get names, we put their names, and maybe in the future this would be useful for a truth and reconciliation commission or uh, prosecutions. But this is not, and we try to protect people who give us information. And so, you, you know, making the name of uh, judges and prosecutors available could um, draw hostility to them. And so, um, but w what else did we do uh, in terms of trying to do our cultural work, of education work, of human rights, um, is uh, to create a page for each victim um, that has the story, um, details, uh, and background. Um, because, of course, you know, uh, to uh, undo a little bit the narrative that has a lot of disinformation in it. And we don't claim to know everything. And we, we try our best to be accurate, but there is only so much we can do from outside the country. But we try to give a little background about um, whatever. If, if um, the victim names an event about that event, if they name a political group, <laughs> about that political group, so that people who read actually have an idea. And then we have divided this, every page, in due process of law, because our focus is for people to understand why it's necessary. And um, so you, if you look, we have everything is due process of law. We bombard people <laughs> with due process of law. So wherever they look, they either have the rights um, that relate to it, or, um, or, the, uh, or the structure. And so we also create, have created a, a form, electronic form, that has been quite successful over the years um, because um, we allow people to send us information anonymously. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so um, this also is divided in due process of law. Mm -hmm and details. And we ask people to give us detail, um, more or less successfully, but when we talk to victims, we attract their attention on the importance that, you know, the fact that your mother passed out when they came to take your brother is really important, but the fact that there was no warrant is equally important. So, so and you know, they, they kind of pay attention. It's not like they, um, they don't care. They, they actually want to know why what happened to them. They're not just passing by. So we feel that there are, there is, they are receptive to this dialogue about um, what happened to them and what was wrong about it. To then double check these corrections. Well, so so that was um, that was one important issue. Is that um, where is it? Did we lost the slideshow? No, it's there. Uh, you just have to get it back. 
from foreign side. Okay, so, um, so what are our sources? Uh, first of all, you know, we, we understand and we, we specify, clarify that we are not an official body. We are not investigating as an official body in the country, on the field. We have no access to documents prison records, we have no access to um, perpetrators, and we have random access to victims. So, and to locations, you know, because a lot of people also have been killed in clashes, and we will not put these people in the, in the database because we don't know exactly who did what to whom and what happened. Um, and so, so let me at least show the sources. Yeah. I mean, there is, and, and, and share my observations. Two, three minutes. <laughs> you, can, you can discriminate. You know, my colleague got 18 minutes just for the film, so. I'm trying to leave space for discussion. You can change and questions. my minutes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so you have three, given that we granted one thank per you. minute. So, but, you know, what we have for the, 80s and early 80s and even to up to now um, with the official and semi-official papers are reports by the prosecution and communiques of the prosecution office about who they killed and what their charges were. And so over time they have been more descriptive and less descriptive. Uh, we went for uh, with names, um, you know, names, names of father charges to um, seven um, uh, seven uh, traitors waging war against God were killed. So we have a range of um, uh, and for ordinary criminals, we have first names, nothing, last name, initials. You know, it's so it's. You know, we have what we have, but at least it comes from official sources. And even they make mistakes, because sometimes when you arrest thousands of people, and then you execute 50, 100, uh, you know, 200 a week, you make mistakes. And so someone is named instead of her sister, and you know, a guy I interviewed was put as executed, at least they had made the mistake he was going to be arrested, and they had put his name on the execution list. So we have these problems, right? But So here are some of interviews, testimonies, memoirs. So we do, we double check with what is available, and thanks to the web, and so see these are the official reports that were in the newspapers. So. Uh, this is a trial, or you know what the news, the journalists wanted to report of the trial. But at least you know we have elements of defense here. Um, these are uh, officials from the previous regime. We have some some victims have um, their um, judgment, uh, and the judgment more and more in time, the government realized that the judgment is going to be problematic. So they show it to people, but they don't give it to them. And to the lawyers, they say, you can't have the file, but you can, you know, you have 15 minutes to write down whatever you want to write down. And so, you know, this is a matter of luck. You know, some prisoners have been able to hide it so well and bring it out, some not. At some point, and so for ordinary prisoners, we actually have more, because they don't think it's important. So they are more relaxed, and they are more relaxed about saying what, uh, what they are doing. And sometimes we have proof of that someone was in prison, actually. We have letters from prison, uh, envelopes with the address of the prison, and a stamp 
of the prison that says was controlled. And, you know, we have a lot of those because families, but families were forced to return. Prisoners would write on a paper, families had to write on the other side of the paper and send it back so that they don't keep it. But, you know, the more organized one in the 80s had photocopies, but not many, actually, not many kept those letters because the fear was um, really important. And so I'm going to, I'm going to our, um, so these are the forms that you can't really see here, but people send us sometimes with an email, sometimes not. The majority of forms came from Iran when we were not filtered, which was also very interesting for us. We have a human rights and democracy library that is really uh, has a comprehensive collection of human rights documents, but also guidelines to document violence against women by state agents and non-state agents, election monitors, you know, an archive of Amnesty and UN and other. And so my our observations. So I skipped some. <laughs> <laughs> So the exiled community showed less interest to the project than Iranians in, inside Iran. Um, the fact of being all-inclusive uh, has created trust over the years, which didn't exist in the beginning um, because of the political cleavages. And you know, you are assimilated to your father's politics. Like we are tribes, it's very hard to extricate yourself from you know the background. So we had to deal with this. Um, the leadership of political groups are less interested in helping than their ordinary members. Um, there is a continued and overwhelming presence of fear of retaliation inside and outside Iran. And um, fear results in relatives and friends sending us only basic information anonymously about those who were killed. But actually we like that because details are difficult to verify. But when we get the name of a father, a date of birth, or a place of execution, it's very benign, and the likelihood of them uh, lying to us is not much, and we've been able to counter, you know, um, count, verify when, for many, many cases. And so, of course, there is more than we knew. Um, the scope of violence is much larger than uh, what we thought in the beginning. Um, we also realized that, um, you know, you think you know the truth, but uh, the truth is very, complicated. There are many visions and everyone has a piece of the truth. So you have to put these actually together, even with the government version, you know, so um, so this is also our education that you can't just give your version. We are going to put the newspaper and the charges against you and then, you know, you can defend your son if you have a defense or your friend. And that way, but this all is a virtual, you know, um, process that would help, we hope, would help people be ready for when the transition comes and, um, and perhaps, you know, avoid some violence if, you know, and revenge. So we try to channel the victim's, uh, the victim's energy into uh, a more constructive, truth-seeking endeavor. And we often use victims to document victims they don't know, groups they don't know, so that they see that you know, they're not the only people <laughs> affected. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.